Pashu, Pashi, Pate. Shiva is the Lord of the animals. So, welcome everybody to Satsang. Uh, and I always like to begin by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who always began all of his talks by saying in Hindi, Sabko Bharasanmane Kesat Premse Hardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And it was in that spirit of inclusion and love that he always conducted satsang, and he would always say that that's the essence of spirituality, to welcome another person with love. So I want to welcome you with love. And um, uh, as uh, uh, Krishna Chaitanya said, in his eloquent talk, um, uh, I, uh, I draw on the teachings of the great beings during my satsang talks. And that's because uh, of all the paths and methods uh, of yoga and spirituality that I discovered, that I studied and discovered, to me the number one path is the path of the guru, the path of the enlightened being. And just being in the company of a great being is transformative, much more transformative than any method or philosophy <clears throat> that you uh, come up with by yourself. And just to be in that presence. I, before I met Baba, I studied intense Hatha yoga uh, in the Himalayas in the Hardwar. <clears throat> and um, I studied all kinds of practices, pranayama, we did a lot of pranayama and uh, the uh, purification exercises where you swallow a cough, 24 feet of cough, and pull it up and do things here and there. <clears throat> and But just five minutes with Baba transformed me more than all of those techniques, just being in the radiant presence of such a being. So when I discovered that, I felt that that's really uh, uh, something that I want to talk about. And there are many great beings uh, around the world, but particularly produced in India, uh, who have the power of awakening, the power of Shakti Prabhupada, to awaken the inner, the hidden energy, the latent power within a person, to wake them up to their true nature. And so I celebrate these great beings. And tonight, one of my favorites and early, uh, I came across his teachings very early. And he is, <clears throat> that's Sri Ramakrishna, a 19th century Bengali saint. Um, very interesting. If you understand the language, he's of the peculiar <coughs> persuasion. It means very emotional and very transcendent. And from a very early age, uh, he was having spiritual experiences. <clears throat> and uh, soon he became an uh, intimate friend of uh, Kalima, the, the goddess, uh, the, the form of Durga, very fierce form of Durga. And he would have conversations with her and so on. And he was, God realized at a very young age, he was a Brahmin boy and he was trained in priesthood. And his older brother had been priest at a temple uh, in um, Calcutta uh, 
on the uh, on a branch of the Ganges, uh, and it's called Dakshinaswar, and he was the head priest there, and and uh, he later his brother died suddenly, and he became the head priest at a very young age, and that's what he did the rest of his life. He was the head priest, uh, but he also, when he wasn't doing his priestly duties, uh, he was giving satsang, and. Um, uh, we're very lucky to have a great account of those satsangs. Those were days before the internet, before films and all that, when everything seems to be known and everything is recorded and there are 10,000 photographs and movies of everything. <clears throat> but because one devotee, whose name was Mahendranath Gupta, uh, he, this is him in later life, uh, he became a devotee of Sri Ramakrishna and he recorded uh, metic in meticulous detail uh, all what happened during the satsangs and the company and the, during his uh, company. And because of that, we have an incredible uh, picture of what it was like around him. He produced a great book. He's known as M in the book. It's called The Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. And it's a massive book, uh, and it describes what happens each time. Uh, and that's the basis of what I'm going to talk about tonight. But uh, Paul Brunton, this is a picture from Paul Brunton's book. Brunton, of course, is the English um, journalist who went to India in the late 20s and, and uh, decided to meet yogis. It was called The Search in Secret India. And this book really spread... Uh, the teachings of yoga tremendously, and he met many yogis. Some were great, some were mid middling, and some were not so great. Uh, but one of the sages that he met was Mahendranath Gupta late in his life, and that's what he looked like then. Another great saint that he met uh, was Ramana Maharshi, who became the, the focal point of the book, in a sense. But um, so M, Mahendranath Gupta, he was a school teacher, a married man, had family, and a friend brought him along, and he was fascinated by Sri Ramakrishna. Okay, we can put him down. And uh, he was very fascinated by Sri Ramakrishna's uh, incredible personality and the energy of his presence. Uh, and he went back a second time and we've reached his third visit, still early days. It's the early 1880s. <clears throat> so this is the third visit of uh, M to Sri Ramakrishna. He writes, it was Sunday afternoon when, N when M came on his third visit to the master. He had been profoundly impressed by his first two visits with this wonderful man. He'd been thinking of Sri Ramakrishna Constantly. By the way, the temple, Dakshinaswar, is still there uh, near Calcutta, and uh, several people have been there. I don't know. I know that uh, Durgananda has been there. Anybody else been there? You guys have been to Dakshinaswar. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> so, I wish we had good photographs of it. Somebody can find some <coughs> photographs. Who's going to find photographs of it for me? 
Yeah, but I want really good ones. Contemporary ones. No, they were good, they were good, but you know. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, she's the curator of, of photography, so. <laughs> Fly there and take some. Yeah, why aren't you going there? Okay. All right. All right, never mind. Yeah. I'm in trouble again. He says, uh, never, uh, he was thinking of Sri Ramakrishna constantly, and it was an utterly simple way explained the deep truths of the spiritual life. Never before had he met such a man. Now Ramakrishna is noted as a great bhakta, devotee, but also he had brilliant insight. He used a lot of stories and sort of simple images, but he had tremendous insight in the spiritual path. And, and he was very childlike in his demeanor. And the way children will say anything, sometimes things that uh, take you aback, he would do that also. Sri Ramakrishna was sitting on the small couch. This is in his room at the temple. The room was filled with devotees who had taken advantage of the holiday to come see the master. M had not yet become acquainted with any of them, so he took his seat in the corner. Sri Ramakrishna smiled as he talked with the devotees. He addressed his words particularly to a young man of 19 named Narendranath who was a college student and frequented the meetings of the Brahmo Samaj. And the Brahmo Samaj was a modern version of Hinduism that was quite current uh, in those days, very highly educated, kind of westernized. Um, and Kedar was, a guy named Kedarnath was one of the, the leaders. And so this Narendranath, young, well-educated, um, kind of in the English style, young man uh, had been to these meetings, but now he'd been drawn to Ramakrishna. And later he became a very famous personage, and that's Swami Vivekananda, uh, a world famous uh, spiritual teacher and, and guru, and uh, he took Ramakrishna's teachings everywhere. He spoke at the World Parliament of Religions, very famously, in 1893. Uh, but this is him as a young man named Narendranath. <clears throat> he says, his eyes were bright, his words were full of the spirit, and he had the look of a lover of God. So there, you can put it down now. <clears throat> M guessed that the conversation was about worldly men who looked down on those who aspired to spiritual things. Sri Ramakrishna was talking about the great number of such people in the world and how to deal with them. Sri Ramakrishna to Narendra, speaking to the future Vivekananda. How do you feel about it? Worldly people say all kinds of things about the spiritual-minded. It still happens even now. But look here. When an elephant moves along the street, any number of little dogs and other small animals may bark and cry after it, but the elephant doesn't even look back at them. And Bobby used to tell us that too. He says, if people criticize you, be like an elephant. The dogs are nipping and yipping. And uh, 
Okay, not paying attention. <clears throat> Narendra says, I shall think that dogs are barking at me. Ramakrishna is smiling. Oh no, you mustn't go that far, my child. Everyone laughs. God dwells in all beings, but you should spend time only with good people. You must keep away from evil-minded. <clears throat> so just as uh, Baba used to emphasize company, you know, by, by the company you keep, uh, it determines what you think, what you do, and so on. And so if you hang out with people who respect meditation, respect spirituality, then you have commonality. But if you keep only company with others, then you, you get drawn into that. He says, God is even in the tiger, but you cannot embrace the tiger on that account. <clears throat> you may say, why run away from a tiger, which is also a manifestation of God? The answer is that those who tell you to run away are also manifestations of God. So why shouldn't you listen to them? He's referencing a story which he's about to tell. <clears throat> Ramakrishna says, it's said in the scriptures that water is a form of God. But some water is fit to be used for worship, some water for washing the face, and some only for washing plates or dirty linen. <laughs> it struck me that washing plates in dirty water seems all right, but I don't know. <clears throat> the 19th century. Uh, <clears throat> this last sort cannot be used for drinking or for a holy purpose. In like manner, God undoubtedly dwells in the hearts of all, holy and unholy, righteous and unrighteous, but a yogi should not have dealings with the wrong people. One who walks the path shouldn't have too much to do. You can't avoid it, but you shouldn't get too involved. <clears throat> he must not be intimate with them. With some of them he may exchange words, but with others he shouldn't go even that far. He should keep aloof from such people. The devotee says, but sir, if a wicked man is about to do harm, or actually does so, should we keep quiet then? Sri Ramakrishna says, a man living in society should make a show of tamas to protect himself from evil-minded people. <clears throat> tamas means uh, probably anger in this case. Should feign anger, keep them away. Here's the story. But he should not harm anybody in anticipation of harm likely to be done. Listen to a story. So now Ramakrishna tells a story, uh, which Baba also told. It's a story <clears throat> of the nonviolent snake. <clears throat> Once there was a snake that was uh, causing a lot of trouble in, in the village by biting people. And a yogi came by and he said, you know, he gave the snake a mantra <laughs> and told him he should be nonviolent. <clears throat> so the snake repeated the mantra and became quite nonviolent. And when the children in the village realized that didn't bite anymore, then they beat him up and they took him and they whipped him around, did all kinds, severely injuring the poor snake. So a little while later, maybe a year later, the yogi came by again. <clears throat> and he saw the snake in a terrible condition. He said, what happened to you? And the snake blamed him. He said, you did this to me. And the yogi said, 
I asked you not to bite, but I didn't tell you not to hiss. <clears throat> Why didn't you scare them by hissing? That's Ramakrishna's story. So you must hiss at wicked people. <laughs> you, what? The, the ashram might that. <laughs> you must frighten them, lest they should do you harm, but never inject your venom into them. One must not injure others. You know, you, when you inject venom, some animals, they inject venom and that really hurts them, as well as kills the prey. But, you know, like when a bee stings, they say the bee dies usually. <clears throat> and so when we inject our venom, then we're affected by it. When we, when we give our anger to somebody, we get hurt by that. Uh, he said, in this creation of God, there's a variety of things, men, animals, trees, plants. Among the animals, some are good, some bad. There are ferocious animals like the tiger. Some trees bear fruit sweet as nectar, and others bear fruit that is poisonous. Likewise, among human beings, there are the good and the wicked, the holy and the unholy. There are some who are devoted to God and others who are attached to the world. The bound souls, people who are uh, stuck in the material, in the material plane, never think of God. <clears throat> if they get any leisure, they indulge in idle gossip and foolish talk, or they engage in fruitless work. M writes, there was a deep silence in the, in the room. Everyone felt paranoid and uh, chastened. You talking about me? <clears throat> Finally, the devotee said, Sir, is there no help for such a worldly person? No hope? Ramakrishna, certainly there is. From time to time, you should live in the company of holy men, and from time to time, go into solitude and meditate on God. Well, you could say, what likelihood is there of that? <clears throat> Furthermore, you should practice discrimination and pray to God this way. Give me faith and devotion. Ask for faith and devotion. Once a person has faith, he's achieved everything. There's nothing greater than faith. <clears throat> what is it? Uh, uh, Sai Baba said, Shraddha and Suburi. So, so, but faith is one of the things, belief in the higher power, belief in the, in the path. <clears throat> Then he, he talks to Kedar, and Kedar would have been one of the heads of the, the Brahma Samaj. You must have heard about the tremendous power of faith. <clears throat> it said in the Purana, that, which is a scripture, that Ram, who was God himself, the embodiment of absolute Brahman, had to build a bridge to cross the Sri to Ceylon, to Sri Lanka. <clears throat> he had to build a bridge, even though he was the Lord incarnate. But Hanuman, who was the monkey god, who was Ram's disciple, trusting in Ram's name, cleared the sea in one jump and reached the other side. He had no need of a bridge. So he was the guru had to build a bridge, but the disciple had so much faith that he could just fly over it. <laughs> it's a power of faith. <clears throat> there are stories like that about, uh, well, never mind. <laughs> Then he turns to, to M, Ramakrishna turns to M, the writer. 
Is there any book in English on reasoning? M says, yes, sir. It's called logic. <laughs> Ramakrishna, tell me what it says. <laughs> it's very Ramakrishna-like. He suddenly gets an idea, you know. <clears throat> M was a little embarrassed. He said, one part of the book deals with deduction from the general to the particular. For example, all men are mortal. Sco scholars are men. Therefore, scholars are mortal. <laughs> That's a syllogism, right? <clears throat> Another part of the book deals with the method of reasoning from the particular to the general. That's inductive reasoning and the other is deductive reasoning. Have you learned your, your logic here? <clears throat> For example, this is uh, inductive reasoning. The crow is black, this crow is black, that crow is black, the crows we see everywhere are black, Therefore, all crows are black. But there may be, may be a fallacy in this conclusion, arrived at in this way. For on inquiry, one will find a white crow in some country. <laughs> when, you come, when you reason down from the top, then the first principles are true and whatever, everything follows. But when you reason up from particulars, you can, might find an exception somewhere. This is another illustration. <laughs> this is M talking to Ramakrishna. Imagine how fascinated Ramakrishna is with this. He's in like... <laughs> <clears throat> there is, has been a cloud. Therefore, rain comes from the cloud. Still, that's an example. Still another example. This man has 32 teeth. That man has 32 teeth. All men we see have 32 teeth. Therefore, men have 32 teeth. English logic deals with such uh, inductions and deductions. Sri Ramakrishna barely heard these words. <laughs> While listening, he became absent-minded. So the conversation did not succeed far. He's going off into a, a trance, which is what he did. He would go into samadhi. So all this talk about logic would just go. It was five o'clock in the afternoon, Narendra began to sing. This is his, his song, his uh, bhajan. Meditate on my mind on Lord Hari, the stainless one, pure spirit through and through. A great light shines in him. His beauty is unsurpassed. How dear is he to all his devotees. That's the song that he's saying. Meditate, meditate on God and you participate in that great light that great shakti. Sri Ramakrishna stood motionless with eyes transfixed. He seemed not even to breathe. A devotee told him that the master was in samadhi. When he heard this, first he got indrawn by the talk of logic, but then when he heard the devotional song, he went into a trance. He would go, he's very peculiar, as I said, and he would go into a trance at the drop of a hat, at the drop of a mantra. And be in a trance. And we have, in this picture, he's, he's in a trance, and one of his devotees is holding him up. He's in an ecstatic trance, which happens quite often. You can leave that up for a while. 
M had never before seen or heard of such a thing. Tears of joy streamed down Sri Ramakrishna's cheeks. He was smiling. M wondered if he was seeing God. The sight of the samadhi and the divine bliss he'd witnessed left an indelible impression on M's mind. He returned home deeply moved. Now and then he could hear within himself the echo of the soul-intoxicating lines, immerse yourself forevermore, O mind, in him who is pure knowledge and pure bliss. That's the end of the third visit. So once you get the bug, it's hard to stay away. So the very next day was a holiday for him. <clears throat> he arrived at Dakshinaswar at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Manji, uh, I shared a, a talk by uh, Hari Prasad Vyasa Brahman, who met Baba. Do you remember this a few months ago? And he had the same thing. He met Baba, he couldn't stop thinking about him. He kept going back and visiting him, and that's what happens. <clears throat> so he goes back the next day. Sri Ramakrishna was in his room. Narendra with Vivekananda, uh, Bhavanat, and a few other devotees were sitting on a mat spread on the floor. They were all young men of 19 or 20. Seated on the small couch, Sri Ramakrishna was talking with them and smiling. So these young men, most of them became swamis later on. They became the disciples that spread Ramakrishna's teachings. Ramakrishna never went anywhere. He would go into, into Calcutta occasionally to visit devotees, but basically just sat there, uh, like Bhagwan Nityananda sat in Ganeshpuri, and then his disciples spread his work all over the world, just like Baba Mukhananda spread Bhagwan Nityananda's work everywhere. And so even to this day, we have the Ramakrishna mission, uh, which has centers and ashrams all over, all over the world. I visited uh, the place in LA, and with Baba, we went to one in uh, Singapore also. So, <clears throat> so these are all the young men of 19 or 20. No sooner had M entered than the master laughed aloud and said to the boys, there, he has come again. So they must have been talking about the school teacher, M. And they said, he's getting, he's getting, he's getting Shaktipat. He's getting some awakening, he's, you know, he's, he's caught the bug. And he comes again, he says, there, he's there again. They all joined in the laughter. M bowed low before him and took a seat. Before this, he'd saluted Sri Ramakrishna with folded hands, like one with an English education. But that day, he learned to fall down at his feet in orthodox Hindu fashion. So not just the namaskar, but a full pranam. <clears throat> Presently, Sri Ramakrishna explained the cause of the laughter to the devotees. He said, a man once fed a peacock with a pill of opium at four o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> the next day, exactly at that time, the peacock came back. <laughs> it had felt the intoxication of the drug and returned just in time to have another dose. And everyone laughed, like here. He's talking about the, <clears throat> you know, one time, um, uh, Ramakrishna was in a, in a carriage going through Calcutta and he saw a bunch of drunks in the street dancing in ecstasy of drunkenness. 
and he stopped the carriage and went out and, and uh, he danced with them. And he said, one hemp smoker knows another hemp smoker. <laughs> so he was in the intoxication of God consciousness. They were in the intoxication of alcohol or marijuana. Uh, but it's all the same intoxication. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, M thought this was a very apt illustration. Even at home, he'd been unable to banish the thought of Sri Ramakrishna for a moment. His mind was constantly at Dakshinaswar, and he counted the minutes until he could go again. In the meantime, Sri Ramakrishna was having great fun with the boys, treating them as if they were the most intimate friends. Peals of side-splitting laughter filled the room, as if it were a mart of joy. A mart of joy. That, uh, that phrase always echoed in my mind, because around Baba too would be a mart of joy suddenly be all this joy didn't seem it wasn't from a ritual or anything it was just the love the love of God just manifested <clears throat> the whole thing was a revelation to him he thought didn't I see him only yesterday intoxicated with God wasn't he swimming then in the ocean of divine love a sight I'd never seen before and today the same person is behaving like an ordinary man Ramakrishna was having great fun with the young devotees. Now and then he glanced at M. He noticed that M sat in silence. He wasn't taking part in the mart of joy. <clears throat> so you see, Ramakrishna would want everyone to participate. <clears throat> Sri Ramakrishna said to Ramlal, another devotee there, he said, you see, he's a little advanced in years and therefore somewhat serious. <laughs> He sits quiet while the youngsters are making merry. M was then about 28 years old, M says. He was 28, so he's over the hill. <clears throat> the other kids were about 20. Uh, the master said to Narendra and M, <laughs> I should like to hear you speak and argue in English. <laughs> he wants to draw M in to participate. So he comes up with this thing. He likes it. He doesn't understand English, but he likes the way it seems. It seems humorous to him. Speak and argue in English. They both laughed. <clears throat> but they continued to talk in their mother tongue, which would be Bengali. It was impossible for him to argue anymore before the master. <clears throat> Though Ramakrishna insisted they did not talk in English. <laughs> they wouldn't do it. Evening worship was over in the temples, the, the evening arti, in all the temples. M met Narendra on the bank of the Ganges, and they began to converse. You remember Narendra is Swami Vivekananda, right? Narendra told them about his studying in college, his being a member of the Brahmo Samaj, and so on. It was now late in the evening and time for M's departure, but he felt reluctant to go, instead went in search of Sri Ramakrishna. He'd been fascinated by the master's singing and wanted to hear more. At last he found Sri Ramakrishna pacing alone in the Natmandir, which is like an open hall. They did chanting and informed music, in front of the Kali temple. A lamp was burning in the temple on either side of the image of the Divine Mother. And of course, Sri Ramakrishna had many experiences of the Divine Mother from being doing worship of that image there. <clears throat> the single lamp 
and the space is not Mandia, blended light and darkness into a kind of mystic twilight, which the figure of Sri Ramakrishna, in which the figure of Sri Ramakrishna could be seen dimly. Emma had been enchanted by Ramakrishna's sweet music. With some hesitation, he asked him whether there would be any more singing that evening. So now he's one-on-one -on -one with Ramakrishna, and, and he feels very shy. <laughs> Not tonight, said Sri Ramakrishna after a little reflection. Then as if remembering something, he said, but I'm going to Balaram Bose's house in Calcutta. Come there and you'll hear me sing. So he would often go, be invited to devotees' houses, and he'd go there and they'd feed him and they'd have some satsang and some chanting. <clears throat> Emma agreed to go. Sri Ramakrishna, do you know Balaram Bose? <clears throat> he's he's a, a prominent householder devotee. M. No, sir, I don't. Sri Ramakrishna, he lives in Bozapara, Bozapara, so some part of Calcutta. Uh, M. Well, sir, I shall find him. As Sri Ramakrishna walked up and down the hall with M, he said to him, let me ask you something. What do you think of me? <laughs> Ramakrishna's asking, what do you think of me? M remained silent. Again, Ramakrishna said, what do you think of me? How many anas of knowledge of God have I? An ana is uh, a 16th part of a rupee. A rupee has 16 anas. So it's very small. But they say, you know, if you have 16 anas, then you're full, the full quid. That's like, what do I say, 100% or something. Uh, so, uh, so how many anas of... God realization does he have? How many does he have? He obviously had 16 honors. <laughs> M says, I don't understand what you mean by honors, but of this I'm sure. I've never before seen such knowledge, ecstatic love, faith in God, renunciation, and Catholicity anywhere. Sri Ramakrishna laughed. M bowed low before him and took his leave. He had gone as far as the main gate of the temple garden when he suddenly remembered something <clears throat> and came back to Ramakrishna, who was still in the Natmandir. Pardon me. In the dim light, the master all along was pacing the hall, rejoicing in the self, as the lion lives and roams alone in the forest. In silent wonder, M surveyed the great soul. <clears throat> Ramakrishna to M, what makes you come back? M, perhaps the house you asked me to go to belongs to a rich man. They might not let me in. I think I'd better not go. I'd rather meet you here. <laughs> Got insecure. <clears throat> Ramakrishna, oh no, why should you think that? Just mention my name. Say you want to see me. Then someone will take you to me. M nodded his assent, and after saluting the master, took his leave. And that's the end of the fourth meeting. How charming is that? Huh? So charming, so sweet. <clears throat> it's like a movie, isn't it? You feel like you are there. I love the encounter of one-to-one. -one. And you see how uh, nervous he would have been, but delighted. 
All right, so let's meditate. That, that by the way, I've, I've said before that the, the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna is one of the five or six books, the other four are mine, that, that you should take to Desert Island. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> um, it's a great book, and it's, uh, it's endlessly, uh, it's a book that teaches and delights both. So let's meditate for 10 minutes. And Ramakrishna says, meditate on that Hari, that Lord, uh, who dances as light, but you can meditate on that principle, however you conceive that principle, whether it's as a form of God or consciousness itself, uh, whether it's Krishna or Buddha or Shiva or Jesus or whatever it is, uh, meditate on that higher power within and let the, that power, that shakti, that energy fill your being because that potential is there within every person. And that's what these great beings show us. And if we turn the right way and let our minds become quiet, and in that stillness we can experience that place within us and that energy will manifest in whatever way it wants to. So let's meditate for 10 minutes. Once again, with great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satguna Maharaj Kijay. Let's meditate now. <laughs> 